Welcome to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And uh, today, John, we're going to talk about um, what have I learned in 35 years of marriage. Hopefully some stuff. I think I've learned a thing or two. I wouldn't be alive (laughs) or I would be uh, single again. So yeah, yeah, I have learned a few things. But uh, before that, it's story or joke time. And it's your turn, John. You're going to tell a story or a joke. Yeah, we inadvertently did. uh, We're meaning to go back and forth, but we had uh, my dad do two in a row. So now I'm doing two in a row. Okay. Uh, Another story. Uh, This one is from when uh, me and my current wife, Lindsay, uh, were dating a few years ago. And... um, I have a beard if you've never, if you haven't seen me in a while. And, uh, Lindsay was taking biotin, uh, vitamin gummies. Their, uh, biotin is this vitamin that's supposed to help hair growth and it helps your hair be thicker and like grows faster in your nails and stuff. I don't really know how it works, but, uh, and she was eating those, right? She bought them. And, uh, so she was like, Oh, look at these gummies. I was like, Oh, okay. And, uh, so, and they weren't, that's not code for. <laughs> marijuana gummies no bio it's it's a vitamin okay i'm just making they sure make you know, i'm your gummies. dad i gotta ask you you gotta ask I, you might be more knowledgeable on this than i am <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know they made those uh so anyways she gets the first time she opened them she's like hey would you like a, a biotin gummy, gummy? Yeah. i'm like yeah okay and so uh every you know every time i saw her take them i'd be like oh okay i'll, t- I'll take one and i would so i was taking biotin gummies uh, with, with Lindsay. And so and you're saying taking them, they're chewable, right? It's like a gummy bear. Is it? Yeah. It's like yeah. Eating candy. Yes. Yeah, it's basically. Yeah. Okay. But it's, it's, you know, it's like, it's, it's disguised as candy. So oh, I'm not going to okay. say chomping, you know, you're not just throwing them back. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that would be dangerous. <laughs> okay. Okay. So anyway, one time after like two weeks of this, I say, Oh, I'll, I'll have one. And she says, um, I don't remember exactly. She says to the effect of, you know, I bought these. They're, they're my gummies. <laughs> and so, uh, so the disconnect was I thought that she was dissatisfied with so the quality of my beard or something. She it was too patchy. Oh, I see. And so I think she's feeding me these biotin gummies <laughs> so that my hair will look better because there's some kind of dissatisfaction there. Dissatisfaction. Right, right. And she thinks I'm just copping all of her expensive biotin yeah, guns. Yeah. She thinks I'm just like taking free because we, were, you know, hilarious. we didn't share a bank counter or anything, yeah. obviously. And uh, it was it's a classic, uh, our first classic miscommunication. It was very funny. That is very funny. And not all marriage communica- miscommunications are funny. Some of them are really tough. I know. But, I'm grateful for this. But one. that's a that's a funny one. You know, my favorite John and Lindsay story is when you uh, told her you loved her. Oh, is that too personal to talk about? I don't think so. I mean, that's an amazing story. You you had her at a park or somewhere, huh? Where were you? I, I don't know if we have the, I don't, which story is this? Where you asked her to shake on it. That was what, <laughs> that was when I asked her to be my girlfriend. What back? Like, oh, okay. Okay. So we tell me, tell me that story. Cause I, I love that story. Okay. Well, I might run out of stories if we do two every episode. That's okay. It's worth it. Basically, uh, we had the DTR, the define the relationship. Yes. Yes. And how uh, long had you been dating at this point? Uh, well, we'd been, this was in March. So, uh, three months. Okay. So you've been dating three months and you want to have the DTR with her. Yeah. And so uh, we're super, super awkward still. Yeah. 
Uh, and, because you're uh, both inherently a little bit awkward. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I like a couple of introvert nerds. I like to think I can be, I can be charming, but it was like what for whatever reason. Every time I was around Lindsay, it was like I became like a piece of plywood. It yeah. was, it was terrible. Just stiff and yeah, clumsy. just like a, okay, yeah, just like a, a, a clay so was sculpture the D- that has the DTR put in your a, idea or was it hers or were you both wanting to have it? Uh, I think that's you'd have to dig dig deep in the past. I don't really, okay. I don't remember. So anyway, you're, you're, you're initiating the DTR. Yeah. And it's unanimous that and, we'd like and to, where'd you go? Where, we where, we where, drove to, uh, a parking lot. Okay. It was late at night. It was, uh, it was like 10 uh, something on a Sunday night. Submarine races, the submarine races. Yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a fool. Uh, you go to the submarine the races, you know, like you say, Hey, you want to go watch the submarine races? Like, you can't see them; they're underwater. So you, it's your excuse to be at the lake and just parked. Gotcha. You know where you take big yawn and then put your arm around her. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, we were way not there yet. Oh, okay. so awkward. <laughs> um, okay, so you're in a parking lot. Was it like a Mormon church or something? It was. Or? It was the Safeway in Kirkland. Oh, okay. Uh, probably like a mile from the school. Okay, so you're in a Safeway parking lot and you're starting the DTR. Well, yeah, we we were, Lindsay was hyper aware of of. Um, the gossip of the school. It's a, oh. it's a Christian college. All, all people do. If you, if you get coffee with someone of the opposite sex, you're engaged. Like, yeah. Where's the, when's the, when's the wedding? So she yeah. wanted to take it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, uh, we just, you know, have a conversation. And then when we agreed that we were going to, you know, be official, I asked, I said, we'll, we'll shake on it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, she refused. She refused to she, shake she on it. She did not shake my hand. Really? Yeah. That's hilarious. She said no. I didn't know that part of that. Uh-huh. I just was that now was that intentional of you to ask her to shake on it or did that just you're groping for something to make the moment less awkward? A little bit of both. I was like, "Well, that's a funny thing to say." And <laughs> it's silent. <laughs> it's just so quiet. <laughs> we are uh very much in love now. I don't want to give the wrong impression, but it was a rough rough start to things. We were just so uh it was so not easy. Just <laughs> kind of relationally awkward. Yeah, because yeah. neither of us. It, we're each other's first, like, romantic relationship. Yeah. So. That's awesome. I love yeah. that story. So uh, that fits our theme. You know, today we're going to talk about marriage, right? Yeah. Yeah. Today, I've, I'm going to get all the secrets to a 35-year oh. marriage. Okay. All the ones you're willing to share. Okay. Um, Yeah, I guess there's no real easy place to start. What's the... Do you have, like... A big takeaway. Say, say you could only tell me three things. Mm. You could only impart that wisdom to me. Wow. So, uh, and you've been married how long now? At the um, point of this recording. At the point of this recording, it has been nine months. Nine. Uh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, no. It's, yeah, nine months. About nine months. So you're nine months in, and you're asking me if I could tell you just three things now. Yeah, if you could say the three the three things you could say to yourself in the beginning to save yourself the most. Oh, what I would say to me not, when I was married nine months. Yeah, or I guess if that's not, if those aren't the same things, then then whatever you would tell me. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get some aim of, of where I'd go. So, um, uh, I think, well, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is that uh, the rewards of longevity are amazing. Hmm. Um. I think every guy I've ever talked to, and again, I, my my disclaimer, every time we have a podcast and we talk about human experience, I don't get women. 
<laughs> so uh, it may be totally different for if you interviewed Sue on this kind of questions. Yeah. It might be. Well, I know it'd be it'd be different. But every man that I've talked to, you know, at some point is so frustrated that if there was a diverse attorney sitting in the room, they'd file. I mean, it's wow. just you just get exasperated at some points. That's an exaggeration, but that's but things that's get, how things get bad. That's just how exasperated you feel in certain moments. Sure. Because you can't communicate or because there's a, a conflict you can't seem to resolve. Um, and so what I would say is uh, those fade the longer you're together. And the, the, the sweetness of the fruit, like the, the value of the fruit of 35 years of being together. And I'm looking, you know, I'm 57 now and I'm looking at being 65, 70 and having... 50 years of marriage with her. There's something so profoundly powerful about longevity. I think this is true um, in community and relationships. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I've got a couple of friends that I've known since high school and there's depth to those relationships that I don't have in other relationships. So longevity is a powerful thing by itself. And you would say worth it. Oh, through the so worth it. So worth it. Um, so that's the first thing I'd say. Second thing I'd say uh, would be that um, lifelong commitment does not mean that you tolerate everything. Hmm. Um, it's If you know me very long, you've heard me say that I came home one day in our 20s and Sue said, I'm going to go visit my parents and I don't know when I'm coming back. She was ready to pack up and go and spend some time with her parents with no definitive return date. Hmm. And, um, I said, Whoa, let's talk. And she said, I've been trying to get you to talk for a long time. And I said, well, I think I'm ready now. You know, it was a, (laughs) it was a tough day, but yeah. And she never left. Uh, but I, I do think that people need to understand that you can refuse to tolerate certain things without ending the relationship. And, uh, it may be appropriate at times for couples to separate. It may be, you know, there may be a deal where if there's a drinking problem, for example, you're coming home drunk. You're costing us. Uh, you're causing us pain. You are a threat to us in some way. So I'm not going to live with you. But the thing that I would hold on to is, but I'm not going to give my heart to another woman until you are dead. So that's hmm. to me. That's another thing I learned is that it is okay um, to employ techniques that are necessary to work through a problem. But the thing you hold on to is I'm not going to give up. So you, if you won't tolerate it, but you're not going to give up that that's, there's a, that's not a indefinite solution. There's a, a point to where that becomes, um, you know, a, a split up, right? So say well, you won't tolerate it and then nothing changes. What happens? Right. And it's just an immovable and object. Is, and, I'm, uh, and I'm thankful to God that I haven't had to practice what I'm telling you, um, for any, you know, real challenge like that. So, um, my vow. Okay. So, so this comes down to what I believe about marriage that I'm, that on that wedding day, I made a vow, not just to Sue, but also to her family, to my family, to our friends and to God, that this would be my person until the day I die. Mm -hmm. And so, um, my vow is that I will not consider giving my life to another woman until Sue is dead no matter what happens. So 
not everybody views it this way. And um, this is how I frame my view of my marriage. Hmm. So let's say that I find out Sue cheated on me and had an affair. What I would want to say is true of me. And only I would only know if I actually walked through it. So this is my intention. Sure. Is that I would forgive her. I would do whatever's necessary. I won't tolerate that. You got to end the relationship. We've got to get into some sense. You know, you got to figure out what's going on with you. Do you want to be in this marriage? Uh, And I'm not saying that if you don't practice this, you're not a Jesus follower because Mm -hmm. Jesus did give allowance for infidelity would be an excusable reason to vacate the marriage as would abandonment. I'm just telling you what my framework is personally. And mine is that um, I will not consider placing a different woman into my heart until Sue's dead, period. And I would hope that would mean that I would wait for her to pull her head out of her butt as long as I had to wait. I would not tolerate it. And I would not compromise tolerating something like that to save the relationship. I would keep my ground. And I hope I would not be so lonely and so uh, wounded that I would search for another wife instead. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that definitely does. It's heavy. That, but, it is yeah. heavy, and, and it's tough counsel. I think um, a lot of people would say, well, I didn't realize I was making that vow when I got married. I wasn't a believer. Right. You know, we just got married. That's what seemed like yeah. the next step, and I didn't think this critically about it. I wasn't thinking about the next 70 years of my life, and and I get that. But, you know, when all the biblical framework for marriage was laid out for us, it was in the context of arranged marriages. In mm-hmm. that time, when all the when all the scriptures about marriage were written, all marriages were arranged. So you didn't even get to pick each other, and yet God would say, "You know, this is covenant. This is this is till death do you part. A mm-hmm. man will leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, to become one." And that image of oneness is not two boards uh, glued or screwed together. It is. Uh, it is two metals melted and then hardened where you cannot separate them. Yeah. Um, that level of oneness. And so uh, that's what I hope for people. And, and I think that's a big key for, for me is um, I'm in it for life. The rest is details. So we'll work on problems, but that be in it for life, it takes some questions off the table and it, and it keeps you in construction mode rather than considering eject. Yeah. So that's a big, that's a conviction you have, and it's kind of a big what if, because that hasn't happened yet. Right. What have you, experience-wise, in the 35 years, do you have a, I mean, I imagine, not that it has to be a traumatic story, but but I know that you've changed a lot in those 35 mm-hmm. years, according mm-hmm. to yourself and especially to mom. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is, you know... What have, what did you learn through experience in those 35 years? Well, I would say, and, and this might be the third thing, you know, you asked for three things. This might be the third thing. Well, you don't have, I mean, three is just the magic, you know. Sure. It's just get us point going. Number. Yeah. yeah. Let's get the conversation going. But um, when I was young and got married, first of all, I had had no, I had had no models of effective marriage in front of me. Hmm. Um, my dad died when I was young and he was young and he had been a, in many ways, a horrible husband. Sure. Um, in many ways, he was amazing, but but he did not. He and my mom did not model for me a uh, you know a, a classical marriage model, right? And so I had a lot of male chauvinism in me. I had a lot. I, 
I, I, I was young, I was immature, blah, 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 blah. So I was pretty selfish. In fact, I say to this day that Sue and I are two of the most, and this is why I believe almost any marriage can make it. We are, we are the two most selfish people on earth. And that almost all of our problems in marriage can be traced to one of our selfishness or both of our selfishness. Mm. So um, I was very selfish, very immature, um, ignorant of what it takes to build a relationship. So I was off to the races. I became a youth pastor. So I was a great youth pastor and a lousy husband. Mm. Students are available at night. I'd go to their games. I'd you know hang out. With, I'd go visit them at their homes and uh, leave Sue at home. And so I just abandoned her. I moved her to Dallas where I was from. And so she knows no one and I'm off to the races. So, yeah. um, so here's the thing that this, this thing is, um, I loved, so I worked hard, I ran hard and I played golf, which is a big, yeah, you know, it's a half day adventure. Um, I didn't manage money well. So I was creating a lot of loneliness and stress for Sue. Hmm. And uh, I remember the day that I made a intentional decision for myself. And here's what it was. If I have to quit playing golf for the rest of my life, if I have to never have running buddies to go do fun stuff with, I am going to give my heart to home. I'm going to make my marriage and my kids the highest priority of my life. And everything else will have to adjust itself to that. And the day I did that, I thought I was signing up this sacrificial, <laughs> uh, you know, see discussion for our movie episode right. about, picking up about the common man, you know, laying down it all for the good of others. And he gets nothing out of it. Yeah. I kind of thought that's what I was signing up for. I thought, I'm, here it is. I'm, I'm going to give my life away. If I, I'll just live a miserable life, but I'm going to give him all I got. And I could not believe, and this happened rather quickly, the fruit of that and the joy of that. It became the greatest thrill of my life, but I didn't see that coming. And so um, I I think when the scriptures call a husband to love his wife like Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her, that when a man, uh, you know, deeds over his life to his wife and kids and says, you are why I exist, not higher than Christ, but I mean, second only to that. Yeah. The reward of that is astounding. So that that's awesome. Not to jump too quick from point to point. Um, I we have a lot of similarities. If you're hearing us both talk, you probably picked up on that already. But uh, a little different in that. Um, as great as my friends are, I have a lot of great great friends. Mm-hmm. Um, Lindsay is who I would rather spend mm-hmm. time with over over anybody. That's mm-hmm. you know that that part's already. You know, that's checked off the list. That's awesome. It's Yeah, it's a blessing. Uh, and part of that is our temperaments are so similar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of common interest. Um, that's just, that's a very... And you're both introverts. You yeah. don't need a crowd more than one. You that's need, true. You know, more than one person is work. It's true. Uh, her her more than me, if that's even, uh, you know, if that's <laughs> possible. She only needs half a person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it, it's great. But... uh I'd say one of the issues we've had uh, that's been recurring is uh, is communication. Mm-hmm. So, like, those really – we've never even had a conflict as dire as the one you just – you listed. Right. So, how did you – were you guys very blatant about those kinds of things with each other? Or well, did it... here's a thing that, you know, um, when I think about you and Lindsay in particular mm-hmm. and, this, and this question, um, when you feel frustrated mm-hmm. with your spouse – you have a choice. You can either 
speak about it and bring it up and lay it on the table, or you can uh, take one for the team and not say a thing about it and just sacrifice. Hmm. Or you can choose the passive aggressive approach where you say, I'm just going to take one for the team. And then you quietly punish them, (laughs) uh, you know, and do these things to manipulate them to get what you want. So uh, I have said forever that the best marriages are between two assertive people, people who are able to say, I like it when you do this. I don't like it when you do that. I wish we would do more of that. I want, I need, I like. Uh, Those are the best marriages because there's no confusion. Now, I was a, I was not that person. So I would just, you know, move through life, take one for the team, be quiet, wish she could read my mind, uh, kind of passively punish her when she couldn't, um, where Sue talks about everything. I was going to say, maybe you and I are more similar. I started <laughs> started with the differences. but In fact, I had a buddy over for dinner one time. Sue and I had not been married all that long, and he comes mm-hmm. over for dinner, and I'm walking him out to the car at the end of dinner, and he said, I don't know how you do it, man. I said, what? He said, does your wife ever have a thought that doesn't come out of her mouth? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, man, I'm grateful for that because I yeah. never have to wonder uh, how, where I stand. And that's the thing. Sue always let me know where I stand, where I would that's not fine. let her know where she stood. And so uh, that made conflicts worse because I would be quiet. Yeah. Conflict frightens people. But conflict is the pathway to intimacy. If you think of your best friends from childhood or whatever, you've had knockdown, drag out fights with those guys. And it's coming out on the other side that you say, we stuck it out. You know, we, yeah, that's what makes the relationship deep. Conflict is a pathway to intimacy, but it feels like a, a train ride to head on collision with another train. Right. It feels so frightening. Like this whole thing's going to come to an end. So if you're, petrified of conflict that will be a growth zone for you because conflict well navigated is a relationship builder well then do you would you have really practical advice on how to um maybe adjust better to conflict to view it as not something that's a like a a danger signal, but more as like a, it's just a process you're going to have to do pretty regularly for yeah, the rest of your life. Yeah. And I think there's some, there's some thoughts you can have and techniques about approaching conflict that will help you. Um, first of all, if you're going to take one for the team, I think it is appropriate to know what fights are worth fighting. Sure. And uh, that's part of that learning curve. You know, you asked me one time I had come home uh, and you said, what'd you do today? And I said, well, I just had a premarital counseling appointment. You were like 15, I think. And you said, what do you guys talk about in those? And so we talked about some of those and you asked me, you said, what do you think is the biggest key to picking a, a wife, you know, making that a successful transition? Mm-hmm. And I said to you, I don't know if you remember this conversation. I said, the more similar you are, the easier your marriage transition will be. And the more different you are and your families of origin are, that's the harder that will I be. do remember that. I thought, I thought it was the, the childhood, however similar your childhoods were or your families were. Yeah. Kind of family values and culture. Really? Yeah. It's a cultural thing. Well, Sue and I came from Mars and Venus. I mean, we were, we, our childhoods and our families of origin bore very little resemblance. Mm-hmm. So we did not intuitively see things the same way. And it created all kinds of landmines. Yeah. One of the things I love about you and Lindsay is it's like you guys share a brain and that is beautiful. That's, that's a, that makes for a lot easier path. 
Yeah, it, it's one of those, you know, if you ever like, like there are stereotypes and you know somebody and you're like, yeah, they're this kind of person. Yeah. And then you get to know them and you realize, well, there's some, some key differences. Yeah. Me and Lindsay are like, are like a lot like that. We're a Venn diagram where the center circle is really big. Really large. Yeah. And uh, the the differences still exist, but uh, it's a, it is a blessing. Are you finding more of those differences as your relationship goes on? Yeah. I think honestly they manifest more when we're together because we really... It's really, I mean, I'm sure it'll even get better, but it's really great. We can be fully ourselves. Yeah. So like, yeah, um, I'm not necessarily all that quiet around Lindsay, you know? Um, so we are, we are a lot different in those ways. Um, and in conflict, uh, conflict is really tricky. I can get defensive easily. Um, and the, the existence of it terrifies Lindsay. So th- those, those together are just, that's a, a real, really that, bad that's going to be a growth zone for you because, um, I think with conflict, if you, the, the, the two pieces of advice I would give is first of all, only use I statements, not you statements. Um, this is more advice for the frustrated party hmm. and which is typically the wife because men are obtuse and right. typically <laughs> fat, dumb and happy. So, of course. uh, you know, when I ask a guy, how's your marriage? And he says, Oh, scale of one to 10, he'll say an eight. And I say, well, let me guess. You say it's an eight because you're getting plenty of sex you're having lots of fun and you're not having any arguments. And he's like, yeah, what else is there? You know, right. Right. Well, for a wife, there's a whole lot more. She's thinking more complicated than that. So, uh, the best advice I can give a wife in conflict is don't use you statements. You don't love me. You, you hurt me. Hmm. You don't want to be with me. You know, it would crush me. And I'm so defensive inherently when Sue would accuse me of having a certain motive or value for her, it would make me want to fight and defend myself. Mm. But if you use I statements, you know, when you don't come home straight from work and you go play golf when you've been gone all week, it makes me feel like I'm not valuable to you. Now I'm taking responsibility for how I feel and I'm asking you to help me figure that out. Mm. Um, So I'm not naming you as the, as the criminal and I'm not naming me as the victim. This is how I feel. And so I think, man, that one skill right there is huge. So use I statements to talk about how you feel. Don't use you statements to accuse someone. That's really good. For why you feel that way. Then the other thing is to make sure if you're anxious, if you're anxious about conflict, I learned uh, this, this thing that helps me. And I'll say to someone, I want you to know, man, your relationship with me is mega valuable to me. And it's too important for me not to have the conversation I'm about to have. It terrifies me to have it, but I want you to know I'm having it because you mean too much to me not to have it. Hmm. And I don't want a wall between us. I don't want, I don't want us to not keep working. So I found when I set the framework for that and then say, here's what I want to talk about. Cause this is upsetting me. It's a, you know, whatever it, it helps neutralize that fear because, uh, Sometimes when you just dive into the conflict, the other person's like, "Uh oh, are they breaking up with me? Uh oh, right. is this so bad that they're going to want to move out? Like, right. how bad is this?" They don't have the context that you have in your own in your own head. Yeah. So set the context and and reaffirm how important the relationship is to you. That's good stuff. That's an ebook right there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I tease my friends. You know, they say, "How's John and Lindsay doing?" I say, "Oh." You know, they've been married nine months. They're ready to write marriage books and teach conferences because <laughs> you've had so little conflict uh, yeah. in your marriage so far. It really does seem to be. A lot of people say that year one is the hardest year. I heard that a lot. I was really gearing up for, a, you know, I was girding my loins going into <laughs> year one. And, uh, uh, girding the, my loins. 
Oh, that's funny. Yeah, there was, it's not, you know, it's not a walk in the park, but it's been it's been the best year of my life so far. It's been really really awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um I I do get nervous with with just stuff. We were talking about uh kids the other day. Um and I think that's going to bring up that'll be we'll have another podcast cuz I don't have anything to say really yet cuz I don't have any kids, but Yeah. Uh, just talking about how me and Lindsay treated school different and mm-hmm. uh, um, stuff like that. I think I'll definitely be the uh, I'll be the dad giving candy out behind his back, and she'll be the the one with the paddle, probably. But right, right, um, which is a terrible strategy. Well, I'm not saying I want it to happen. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying it's a fair prediction. I just want to go on record saying right. that's a terrible strategy. Right. If I were uh, a betting man, it's not but, uncommon, but it's a terrible strategy. Yeah. Uh, so you know. Um, I, I I just I think marriage is a, an incredible gift from God. It is the hardest thing we'll ever do, and and it produces character. You know, it's going to make you a better person for sure. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Uh, biblically, New Testament wise, so so like modern Christianity, marriage is a given for basically everybody. You see, uh, a you know man in his forties who's never been married once, and he's been and he's a Christian. You're kind of like what's what's wrong with him you know it's kind of it's almost like it's like a stereotype um but in the new testament marriage isn't all that even it's not assumed that you're married in the new testament always it's a lot of times it's almost discouraged yeah paul discourages it a little bit i think there's a couple things about that Uh, yeah what do you think's going on there like are we over married or you know well statistically 80 percent of people will be married in their lifetime so it's it's twenty percent or fewer who will never marry. Mm. That's changing a little bit in our culture because people are living together and choosing not to get married because the institution of marriage has got a bad name and some people are terrified of it, mm. and they think it'll actually ruin their relationship. So there's a cultural thing going on there. But the fact is that most people will get married in their lifetime. When Paul discourages marriage, he says the reason it, I discourage it, he said, is because and he was single, so. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, if you're married, you're concerned about the affairs of your wife. But if you're single, you're concerned about the affairs of God. Hmm. So it would give you this agility. I can do whatever I sure. want with my life. You're I packing have... light. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and Paul, and I think all the scripture, New Testament writers, assumed that the return of Christ was imminent. Like it's going to be maybe before I die. Yeah. So they had this sense that time is short. Why waste that getting married? Sure. So, uh, but, but marriage is encouraged by God himself. It is a gift from God. Um, so I don't think there's uh, necessarily any virtue to not being married. Okay. There's lots of reward to being married. You're not less of a person if you say, stay single. Sure. That's not necessarily integral to the episode. It was, it was gnawing on me recently because of, uh, uh, how little mention it got in, uh, in yeah. G- Jesus specifically hardly ever talks about, uh, marriage. Um, yeah. 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 So uh, I think, you know, we, we can wrap this up here in a second, but I, I think that one of the things I think about, John, is the role of a man and a husband in his marriage. Um, I mentioned that my dad was a chauvinist. Yeah. Uh, my mom's name is Patsy, and he, and he called her his little Patsy. <laughs> and um, he controlled all the money. Mm hmm. Um, but for much of her life, she didn't have any idea how much money he made. He wouldn't tell her. Wow. And so there was a lot of control issues there. And so uh, you have that, that old school um, 
kind of uh, male chauvinist view of marriage. He's the head of his house and he's the authority figure and he yeah. gets to make all the, he gets one and a half votes on every question. Then you have um, this egalitarian view that men and women are equal. And some guys will take uh, Ephesians and they'll say, you know, wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, like he's your Lord. And he even says in there, you know, Sarah was a model for you calling her husband Lord. And so some, some guys will take that and say, I, I am the authority figure. I get to make all the decisions. If Hmm. I decide it, it shall be so. And then you have the other side where we're so equal um, and we make all decisions together and neither one of us has authority over the other person. Sure. And so there's a lot of uh, question, I think, about what is the role of a man in his marriage. And um, so I don't want to get into the gender thing of, and we'll have an episode on this because it's a very significant issue. Sure. Um, the short story is Galatians when he says, uh, at, in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, all are one in Christ. So my wife is first my sister in the Lord, and she is equal with me in every way. Well, and that uh, that wives submit your husbands is directly followed up by or husbands, preceded by or preceded by husbands submit. Oh to your no, wives. it is followed by that. It's preceded by submit to one another hmm. out of reverence for Christ. Then wives submit to your husbands, and then husbands love your wives as if they're your own body. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so why, that's why you don't cherry pick scripture. By the way, yes, <laughs> you can, that you is, can make it say whatever you want it to say. Well, you sure can. You can twist it around. And we've got horrible evidence of that in history of uh, of it justifying slavery and racism and all kinds of things. So uh, my advice to men mm. um, is setting that conversation aside about, um, you know, part of the curse is he, God says to Eve, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And so this male-dominated world, in the history of the world, the most abused people group on earth has been and always will be women. Hmm. And it's because of the fallen nature of earth. And so that's not a consequence of God's plan. That's a consequence of the curse of our sin. So I do not believe that men should dominate women at all. And when I talk to men who are married, I urge them to do some things as a servant leader that might sound like I take a, an authoritarian view of men. So let me just set that conversation aside and just tell you what I encourage men to do. Okay. I think that a man should take more responsibility for the outcome of his marriage than his wife does. He ought to say to himself, I am more responsible for the success of this marriage than she is. Not because that's factually true, but because that positions his heart and gets him postured in a way that he's prepared for sacrifice. Sure. I was on an airplane with a guy one time, stranger next to me, and we start talking about marriage. It turns out he's a marriage coach in his church. and Oh, wow. A really cool guy. And I think he's a, a surgeon by trade. Oh, my goodness. And really a neat guy. And uh, he said that in his premarital classes and his, and his counseling things, he tells uh, men, you need to enter marriage as if it is an 80-20 deal. You know, people say it's 50-50. Yeah. He said, you need to enter in like it's an 80-20 deal. You're going to give 80, and you're going to get 20 back. And if you're not happy with that deal, then don't get married. Go get a dog. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's not because your marriage will be 80-20, but it's because it's going to feel that way to you. Yeah. That, you know, the saying is the guy who says he'll meet you halfway is a terrible judge of distance. <laughs> sure. And so, uh, you know, you're going to so often feel like, I'm giving more than I'm getting. 
I'm serving more than I'm being served. If you can't embrace that, then don't get married because mm-hmm. that sometimes will be true. And often it will feel like it's true, even if it's not. Yeah. And so embrace that. Christ called us. You you started quoting it. You know, love your wives like Jesus loved the church. Love her like your own body. Care for her. Serve her. Mm-hmm. And I do think that God would call a man to be a servant leader in his home. To take the knee, have a towel over his arm, wash her feet, serve her, give his life to her. Yeah. Uh, it goes on to say a man who loves his wife loves himself. Because when you love her like that, the big winner is you. She's going to love you back. She's going to trust you. She's going to open her life to you. Yeah. And so that's, that's the deal. All of, all of the, the servant aspects I'm, I, is so easy for me to internalize. The leadership one gets trickier when, uh, not when you guys are aligned, but when there's conflict mm-hmm. of direction or not, not conflict of, 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 you know, like internal something wrong. And yeah. obviously you shouldn't, uh, strong arm that, but in, you know, like my, uh, uh, you know, mom, mom's dad, my uh, maternal grandfather, uh, that he wanted to be a missionary in Africa. And uh, my grandma said, uh, no way. Yeah. He, she said, if you're going, you're going alone, basically. Yeah. And they had and been missionaries somewhere else in the world. In and in yeah. this particular case, he felt like they should go to South Africa. And she said no. And long story short, they both ended up in South Africa as missionaries. And he said, we're going. And it was not a conversation. It was an announcement. And uh, she struggled with it. And we got really concerned because uh, it was creating massive conflict for her mm-hmm. um, and sadness. And we thought we thought they might split up over it. She might enter into a deep depression. We were pretty concerned. It ended up for the best. But that situation, did he handle that right? Or what, you know, what was? Yeah, well, what the, was the beautiful outcome of it was it turned out to be the assignment, missions assignment. They They kept it a long time. It was his most fruitful ministry, and it was her biggest delight. It was the most fun she ever had anywhere in the world was in that deal. So it all turned out beautifully. Should he have done that? Should he have said, this is what we're doing? Get on board. That's a massive question. Mm -hmm. Uh, And would he have the right to do that would be another question. I think that um, as much as possible, decisions are made together. And so it, sometimes it happens, and this was kind of the story there. They were on a timeline. We need an answer, John. Where are you going to serve? And I mm-hmm. think the other option might have been Fiji. And so... Um, Man, South Africa or Fiji? Yes. Those are your options. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quote me on that because okay. I'm not totally sure. But But it was like they had to make a decision. It was the end of the decision time. And um, I don't think he handled it particularly well in the way it went down. Yeah. But sometimes you're going to be in a, a spot of indecision. And when when possible, I think makes decisions slow. It's okay to slow down at the pace where you can walk in unity. Sometimes you're going to come to a spot where a decision must be made. And um, in that particular case, he's the actual missionary. She he She's the missionary partner. Okay. And so we're talking about his career, his work. And in this case, that role in South Africa fit him hand in glove. Hmm. Um, so maybe he gets an edge there because it's it's his work um, that he's going to be doing the work. Okay. Um, but uh, I, my deal is, um, I think that 
the the rules should be we make decisions together. Okay. I didn't mean to put you on guard. It was the first example that came to mind. It's a great one. And, and But sometimes there's a timeline, and so the decision must be made. And when a decision must be made, and it has to be made now, we can't delay this any further, somebody's got to make the call. Yeah. And I don't think the man should make the call out of authority, out of lording it over his wife. In fact, in my case, I would say whoever has the most expertise should make that call. That's why I deferred to John in that decision, because it's his work. Gotcha. He's going to be doing his work. Um, but if uh, if it were a situation where she actually has more wisdom in this category than I do, or more experience, or more whatever then defer to that. A wise man will defer when it's smart to do so. Hmm. Uh, But I do believe he should lead his wife, lead his home. One of the questions I have um, that I think we've dabbled in but not come to a conclusion on, let's say your wife has a um, a, a character, not a character issue, but a a life-shaping challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, insecurity or fear or whatever. Okay. And, um, you know, your your options as a husband is either accommodate that or address it. Like, is my job to just create a safe place where we just work around that? Like, we don't do that because that makes her uncomfortable. Or do I try to grow this in her where she becomes a stronger person? Yeah. And um, that's a real delicate spot. And I think that a man earns the right to help his wife navigate through those things in a couple of ways. One, by letting her help him. You know, we all have blind spots and they're called blind spots because you don't see them. Right. And if you're not willing to let her help you with your blind spots, but you want to show her all of hers, now you've got the beam in your eye with the speck in her eye and it doesn't work. Yeah. So, but if that's a mutual deal and even a conversation together, hey, do we want to help mold each other's character and help each other through challenges? Or do we want to just provide that safe place where there's no rules here. You get to be whoever you are. And I will accommodate that um, because Hmm. of your weakness. Yeah. We'll accommodate my weakness in this category. We'll accommodate yours in that one. Or should I grow? I think that God's intention for marriage is not to make you happy, but to make you holy and to make you whole. So it's good to communicate with each other. Cause I say this, I there if I don't marry Sue Burnett, Susan Lorraine Burnett, <laughs> if I don't marry her, and and I resist her shaping my character, there is no way I'm the man I am today. Hmm. She has made me a far better person, and much of that improvement was painful for both of us. Yeah. Uh, so there's a role there that we must embrace. I'm not just here to cheerlead you on and let you continue in dysfunction or self-harm. I'm here as a gift from God to help you be the best version of yourself. And what I offer you is I'm not going anywhere, but I want to help. And I think that's important. How would you then, this is, this is a problem that I, we haven't run up into against, but I could see it as just a, a, a kind of paradox in of marriage itself where you know each other so well, that any time you would suggest an improvement or, or or a critique to a character trait, they have five of yours that they know, you know, that kind of thing. Where if you're like, hey, we, mm-hmm. you know, you should change this. They could say, well, you could change this, this, and this. You right. Know? So and how do you, how do you do that? Well, uh, 
that sounds almost competitive, you know, right. I, I'm going to correct you. Well, wait, if you're going to correct me about that, let's talk about the six things you, well, you're right. stupid And about. I don't mean necessarily the competitive nature, no, but, but that's just how the knowledge yeah, that, that you both know each other so well Yeah, that, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, if you know each other's faults to that extent, how do you build each other up? You know? Well, this will intimidate you. You might feel disqualified to address something because I have six flaws for your one. Mm-hmm. So who am I to say anything? So you might feel disqualified about that. The other thing is is to to uh, to know that I'm in I'm on your side. You know, one of the things I would say to Sue early in our marriage when we would have these kinds of conversations where I need you to step up your game. I need you to improve your character. I need you to be stronger. Hmm. And she's telling me, I need you, you know. Yeah. Uh, I use this analogy with her a lot. If if you're in the trench with me shooting at a common enemy then I'm going to hear this conversation way better. But if it feels like you're in the trench across the across from me and shooting at me, mm. now you have positioned yourself as my enemy. Yeah. And so I think a big part of that conversation is to make sure you're positioning yourself firmly as I'm in the trench with you and that big world out there, that's our enemy and we're going to defeat it together. And gotcha. I'm here with you. I'm on your team. Uh, we're in this together. You can't overemphasize that too much. So you just got to keep reminding, keep reminding, keep reminding, because sometimes it feels like I know you so well. Now I'm going to pick on. Then you regret being vulnerable. Well, I wish I hadn't let you know me because now you're going to use it against me. Hmm. So you have to just keep reminding each other. We're in the same trench. I have an enemy and it's not you. So that's a that to me, that's a really big deal. That's that makes a lot of sense. Okay, I want I want to finish with. um, Um. the number one thing that married women say to me about their husbands. Okay. Okay. So before we do, <laughs> let's risky. talk about, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Patreon and uh, the opportunity to join us and partner with us in this mission. And then we'll finish with that, with that last tidbit. That's my teaser. Yeah. Uh, stay tuned. Cause we're going to talk about the number one thing Christian women say to me about their husbands. Uh, talk to us about Patreon, John. How, how can people, partner with us to see this thing go further faster. Yeah. Patreon is just a, uh, a uh, crowd funding, uh, source resource. Uh, you can go on there and it's a, it's a pledge, uh, monthly. It's not a one-time thing. Uh, and you can pay as much or a little as you want. Uh, $1 is the minimum. And, uh, even that would be, uh, greatly appreciated. And that would go to us every month. And, uh, there are rewards for at, at certain points of giving. So our $5, you get a reward at 10. Um, and either way, we're going to keep doing this. So this is a, so the podcasts are always free. Yeah. Blogs will always be free. You can get and to our website and see stuff. Feel no guilt, uh, yeah. for not, yeah. not so please. Yeah. Don't feel any obligation, uh, but there will be benefits to you doing so. Uh, and membership what, has its privileges. It does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> uh, and if you do, uh, hopefully this, uh, this whole, uh, Jim and John thing can keep growing. We can produce a few more eBooks. Yeah, our goal is to produce uh, e-books, uh, printed books. Uh, we want to do some videos uh, stuff, maybe some webinars at some point. And so what, this, what these partners help us do is actually create more time where you have to work less at the other jobs. Mm-hmm. And you can give more energy to helping us take this further. And what that'll do is help us further this mission. We want to help as many people as possible. 
And so uh, consider supporting us. You can visit that on our webpage, right? JimandJohn.com. Yeah, JimandJohn.com. No H in the John. No H in John. There'll be a link there, and I believe it's patreon.com slash Jim and John. Okay. And so just think about that. If you want to join our team and be a partner with us, you can read all about the membership privileges attached to that. We'd love you to consider it. All right. So here we are back to this thing that... that, The number uh, one thing. Number one thing. I I mean, if I've heard women ask me this question once, I've heard it a million times. (laughs) Uh, and, And the question is, it's not a question, it's a desire. I wish my husband would lead us spiritually. I wish wow. my husband was the spiritual leader of our family. Hmm. And uh, years ago, I heard James Dobson say, if a man will pray with his wife 30 seconds a day, he will revolutionize his marriage. And I have found that to be absolutely true. Really? And it's the hardest thing for men to do. Even I love Jesus. Man, I love Jesus. I love my wife. I stand up and teach the Bible for crying out loud. But praying with my wife was one of the hardest things to do. And the reason why is what you touched on earlier. We know each other so well. Hmm. And in my mind, I thought if I pray with her, she's going to think, who does he think he is? He lost his temper with the kids yesterday. He treated me like crap the other day. Uh, yeah. You know, he's trying to now pretend he's Mr. Spiritual. That's what I would hear in my head. And I think that's common for men is to think that they're posers. If, if yeah. I pray with my wife, she's going to see right through my fake self and know that I don't know my spiritual butt from a hole in the ground. And so I, I'm a faker. And then you, if you, if you drop the, the ball in a week and you, you miss a day or something, right. then it's embarrassing. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of pressure there on the man to perform. But here's what I would say. You got to drop that and, and pray with humility. But every wife I've ever talked to, no matter how um, women's rights she was, or how old school, um, you know, leave it to beaver wife she was. <laughs> sure. They all want their husband to be vibrantly engaged mm-hmm. in the spiritual life of their marriage and of their kids. So I really do think the number one piece of advice I would give husbands is pray with your wife 30 seconds a day. Have spiritual conversations. Talk about what God is teaching you. Uh, be humble in your prayers, lead your prayer time off with God, forgive me for my weaknesses as a husband. That'll, that'll at least let you know that, that you're confessing to her. I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. That way, you know, that whole thing of being a poser is dealt with. Yeah. But, uh, man, the rewards for that are extraordinary. I well, think every wife wants her husband to be the spiritual leader. That's really helpful. I think one of the, we'll, we'll wrap it up. But one of the, uh, the walls to assuming, leadership in the marriage uh as a guy and maybe maybe specific to you know the this recent generation but uh is you don't want to is you feel like they don't even want they don't want that you know right so it'd be hard to assume a position that no one wants you to take if you don't even want to take it you know right right um so that's that's good to know yeah i think it's a great a great habit I would give one more little tidbit of advice. This is mm-hmm. worth gold here, man. This this is gold. Uh, a lot of guys. <laughs> it's for free. Th- yeah, it's for free. You don't even <laughs> have to be a Patreon member to get this. Uh, a lot of guys will come home from work, especially later in their marriages. You know, they come home, they're stressed out, they're tired, and they say to their wives, just give me the first 20 minutes. I need to go decompress. I want to sit out on the back porch with the fire and, and have a Coke or a drink, and or I want to go lay on the bed for 10 minutes and clear my head or whatever. Just leave me alone. Hmm. And if you'll leave me alone, I'll give you the rest of the night. And that feels like a fair trade to them. Hey, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm, you know, 
Um, I've used too many words today. I don't want to talk anymore right now. That kind of thing. Hmm. Here's what I've learned. If you will give your wife the first 30 minutes when you get home, she'll give you the rest of the night. But if you take the first 30 minutes for yourself, you're going to pay for it the rest of the night. So I mean, <laughs> this is ominous. This, it is ominous, but I'm telling <laughs> you, this is, this is gold. This is, you put this in the little bank there. This is a card you need to play. Think about it on your way home, decompress on your way home, get your energy act together. When you park in the driveway or whatever, sit in that car for a minute, get your thoughts ready. And you come in and you serve and you jump in and you stand next to her and you talk to her. You help with the dinner or you do whatever, but you give her your full self for that first 30 minutes. Hmm. You'll be a rewarded and liberated man for the rest of the night. But if you come in and insist, I get to take care of me first, you're going to pay for that. And you probably should. And especially, you know, this was especially true when you, when you have kids at home mm. and if your wife is having to manage kids, get them to school, fix their lunches, whatever. And you're just getting up and going to work and then you're coming home. If it's that kind of scenario, it's even more important yeah, to give her that first half hour. Well, that's awesome. There's a lot yeah. of good stuff in there. There you go. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, so here's the thing we want to encourage you. Keep up with the Jim and John uh, upstream with Jim and John podcast. You can do that. Uh, at whatever podcast player you use, you can subscribe mm-hmm. to us there. So be sure and subscribe. Hit the notification button so that you can be notified when new uh, episodes are released. Visit yeah. us on Instagram at what? Jim and John. Jim and John is our Instagram. Twitter is Jim and John one mm-hmm. at Jim and John one. We have a Facebook page. Uh, we have our website, Jim and Again, always no H in the John. Jim yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else? Anything else? John? Uh, we do this blog or this uh, podcast once a week and we post on our blog at least twice a week. Uh, so you can go on there, get a, a little more, uh, maybe brief content, a little more, uh, uh, helpful nuggets throughout the week. Yeah. We've produced one book. It's for sale on the website, but as we add eBooks and other books, they will be available on the website. That'll be a place to get those. Yeah. If you want to learn more, that's the a good place to start. Just jimandjohn.com and you can find links to our other stuff on there. Awesome. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time.